Welcome to Impacting Jamaica, where we shine the spotlight on the many but often ignored positive happenings, activities, projects and investments at every level across every sector to inspire, motivate and excite people everywhere. Impacting Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, Red Stripe, Kyramed and Proven Investments Limited. Hello friends, welcome to Impacting Jamaica. My name is Shellyann Harris. Peter S. Pute stated in a recent Gleaner column that often people in positions of authority want to have it both ways. They want the credit and the accolades when things go well, but they wish to avoid accountability for failure or when things go wrong. What works for football coaches does not work for politicians and public servants. When the team consistently loses, calls mount for the coach to go, and he usually quickly packs his bags. Other good and better coaches abound. When millions of dollars of public funds cannot be accounted for, or when poor judgment leads to financial downturn or loss of human life, everyone seems to be covered with Teflon, and the captains turn to spin in an attempt to mystify the critics and commentators. This is an apt description of the accountability dilemma in Jamaica. And on today's edition of Impacting Jamaica, I have the pleasure of chatting with a fully engaged civil society advocate for better public governance. Her name is Jeanette Calder, and she has been reliably vocal on governance issues, in particular those relating to procurement, corruption, and public sector reform. She's also the founder of JAMP, Jamaica Accountability Meter Portal. Ms. Caldo, welcome to Impacting Jamaica. Thank you so very much, Ellie. It's really good to be with you. Awesome. I want to kick things off by asking you to describe for us the mission and focus of JAMP, the Jamaica Accountability Meter Portal. I have it right? Yes, it's a bit of a mouthful. Yes. <laughs> it will slide off easily in time. I myself have to get a little used to it. JAMP really came about, I think, for the reason that... Um, public servants serve and so many other Jamaicans do, I mean, genuinely are very clear that this country could be further than it is and that all that we need is here. And it's just that JAM has probably approached it in a different way than maybe other civil society groups, other NGOs and other government offices. Mm. Um, our mandate uh, pretty much reflects that of the Auditor General of Jamaica, to be very honest with you. Mm -hmm. And that is the public um, department that inspired us. So if you checked our website, you would see that we say the goal is, yes, to increase the quality of life for Jamaican, but how do we want to do it? By increasing the quantity and quality of the public goods and services but how mm -hmm. we want to reduce waste loss fraud and corruption in how the public funds and assets of this country how they are managed and how they are stewarded how we're doing it we've broken it down into three simple approaches yeah mm -hmm. There are really, I'm sure we're going to unpack this, Shelley, but there are lots of things going well for us in Jamaica. So we just want to strengthen those things that are going well. Mm -hmm. We have what we will call a, a good accountability framework in Jamaica. So we as citizens decided to engage to try and strengthen those mechanisms of accountability that do exist in the parliament and in the government. A 
aside from strengthening it, we also want to educate citizens. You know, the things you don't know, Shelley, are the things you don't want to engage on. The things you don't know anything about, you're a little bit intimidated to get involved with it. Mm-hmm. That's the that's with anything in life. So in order for us to encourage citizen engagement, because I am not. No member of my board, no member of my staff is convinced with this argument that Jamaicans are apathetic. They are not. For the most part, of course, you're always going to have some of them more, but for the most part, Jamaicans care. Jamaicans want to get involved. They just do not know how. I was like that for years before I came forward and said, let me get engaged. But it wasn't wasn't that I wasn't interested. I just never had a clue. So Mm -hmm. we want to educate citizens about the mechanics of the accountability framework, how government run and how the parliament run. And the last thing we want to do is you can educate all you want. There are people in this country who know far more than I know about this thing, but mm-hmm. they're not in the ring. So you can tell people how it works, but then you have to stimulate them to get them engaged. Right. So those are the three things. Strengthen the existing accountability mechanisms in government and parliament. Educate citizens about what we are now learning. And literally, Shelian, we don't know everything. But we decided that as we learn, we would impart. So we are learning by doing. And the last one, stimulate them to engage after we have shared with them what we know. That's it. It sounds um, thorough and it sounds like you're covering all your bases, but I keep thinking of what you just shared in the context of the man in the street and online comments and just people who talk about um, their frustration with with governance and issues. And, you know, you talk about there being, you know, educating people about the ways that they can get involved. Right. Does that make a difference? Will that make a difference from where you Absolutely. sit? Tell Absolutely. us how. 100%. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to understand, in a Shelley, this, I never do this for, for earn money. You know. The only mm-hmm. reason I would get off my career path is because I know this can work. Mm-hmm. I am not here to waste time and certainly not my time. I have to just straight up talk to you in this conversation from yes. the perspective of Jeanette. Yes, yes please. No, there are Jamaicans who do not care. I'm well aware of it. I'm okay with that. You have those who care, but they don't know what they're going to do. Some people might call them the wagonists. That until the see things start to happen, they don't come on board. Right. I have greatest respect in the world for wagonists. We don't get anywhere without them. It's called the critical mass. Yes. But I have to admit that, you know that phrase, the low-hanging fruit? Mm-hmm. When I think about what I am doing now, I am not thinking about that first group I mentioned. I'm not trying to stir the Jamaicans who don't care. That's too far for me to think that I can. Mm-hmm. Neither am I trying to talk to the wagonists first, but I am 100% convinced that it is not special. So there are, a lot, there are enough Jamaicans here who really want to understand it, really want to engage, but are stopped and obstructed by lack of understanding. Now, let me give you an example of what happened to me. When I came into government in 2001 as a young architect at the Ministry of Housing, Mm -hmm. and three months after I started working there, something happened which me just enter government, you know, I didn't know that this was going to be something phenomenal. It seemed pretty normal when I got there. 
an auditor general at the time had determined that there was a $4 billion waste in a housing program. Mm. It ended up costing the minister at the time his seat in the cabinet, and it ended up costing the permanent secretary his job. Mm. Now, three months after I'm in government, and I see this now, Shelley, I said to myself, oh, this thing name accountability, them serious, man. Because I come in, and as the first time as a young public servant, I saw a minister being held to account, and I saw a senior public official held to account. So it left quite a bit of residue on me. So that's the first thing. Mm. I never knew it was going to take another 10, 15 years for us to see it. But the point I'm making to tell you is that it left a mark on me that public servants can be held to account. And when I went into government, I served on boards and committees. I served in a ministry where contracts get signed. And anywhere there's construction contracts, there's problems and there's governance issues and there's corruption. So I also got a chance to see decisions that were taken prior to my coming there and how long it took for the ministry to clean up that mess. That left a residue on me also. No. I'm going to jump forward to 2014. Everybody who's going to be listening to this podcast will remember Otamini. This was when the NHD... Yes. Mm-hmm. housing agency, because remember now, me coming out of housing, you know, so me understand the dynamics yes. of this. Yeah, and it matters and to you, yes. I yes. wasn't in the country at the time. I was abroad. I was doing a consultancy for three months. But for three months, I watched the Jamaican people say, them, nah, ease up. And you know, we usually ease up after nine days. Right, <laughs> right, right. And right. I, I kept on reading the papers and I'm thinking, wow, the NHT spent $180 million. And I don't know what it is, but we decided, to say, no, sir, this can't work. When I came back to Jamaica, it was right in time to hear the then Prime Minister, Portia Simpson-Miller, says that she is not going to fire the board because they did not commit a crime. Mm. Now, you have to understand, as a former civil servant, who someone who wanted to go back into the service, that thing hurt me at my core, Shelley. And mm. I'll tell you why. Because I'm saying to myself, how can you send a message? And it's very relevant to what we will continue to talk about. But how can you send a message? to public servants, over almost 200,000 of them, that the only way in which I'm going to hold you to account, or board members, at the time we had 220 public companies, how do you send a message that unless you commit a crime, your seat is safe? Actually, let me ask you the question. How many things can you do wrong in your job and you will be fired even though it's not a felony and even though it's not a crime? It happens to Jamaicans all the time. Right, right. If you keep coming late, you're going to lose the work. So I said, but we cannot send this message. So Jeanette, just by herself, decided to boy, she must stand up outside the NHT and protest. Mm. And if nobody no come, nobody no come. So I went on social media for three days and I said, this is where I will be. This is why I'm a ghostly with my cartridge paper, praying to God, saying, I mean, one going to stand up there. <laughs> and lo and behold, for three days, no more than 60 Jamaicans gathered. And these are not your friends. These are not your... I will mm. say, though, that yes and no, out of that 60, there could have been easily 10 people who knew me. Right. But there were strangers, is what you're uh, saying. But about 50 who were just... There were passerbys who just stopped. There were people who came out of the car, but no more than 60. The media came to find out what was happening. And within three days, the Prime Minister of Jamaica pivoted. And I said to myself, but hold on a minute, Jeanette. If you're willing to walk out on a limb, in faith, trusting that there are going to be other citizens who are feeling the same way you do, and I live in a country where 60 people can gather, 
and a prime minister pivot after three months of holding strong, but things mm. not a bad then, man. Mm. And that left some more residue on me. The third residue that led to the formation of JAMP had specifically to do with that. What happened? I saw a public watchdog agency in the Auditor General noticing for three months that the people of Jamaica are agitated about what looked like could have been and corruption. Mm -hmm. Let me go investigate. So I saw an agency prepared to pivot in the interest of the people and said, okay, we're going to go in. Four months later, a report was done. And Shelley, it wasn't $180 million of concerns that the Auditor General found. It was $4 billion wow. of questionable investment. Now, what had really happened, why it struck me, is I said to myself, after four months when that report came, nobody talked about it. The media never picked it up. Medianet was out there, a protest never paid no mind. I didn't know it had happened. So I said to myself, if a government agency is doing this, is prepared to do this kind of job for the citizens of Jamaica in the interest of their money, and we are not going to pay enough attention just enough, what, three, four months later, then, then somebody has to be paying attention after this to this agency and what they're doing because it's good work. Mm -hmm. So I decided to try and understand the accountable framework of government uh, with another set of group of advocates. We wrote to the European Union and they said, okay, we will fund you for three months to go and research it. We researched it. We identified what were the gaps in accountability. We came to understand how the Auditor General's department work. And we said, why are we going to wait on government to fill the gaps in accountability? Citizens can partner. And that was as simple as that. Mm. We went to the private sector organization of Jamaica. I shared them this idea that I had of creating a digital tool that would track the breaches that are committed by public officials. Because that is what we said the problem initially. We say, now India wonder, somebody has to focus and pay attention until they are remedied. Why not citizens? If government is not going to do it, we will. And so what we did is created a digital tool that continues to track the issues in government as the Auditor General reports on it, and in the future as the Integrity Commission and MOCA report. And we allow citizens access, government access, the parliament can access it, them can't say, boy, we don't know, wait, they know, mm -hmm. because citizens are tracking it and allowing they themselves to know where it is and where it is not. It is encouraging to find that a lot of these breaches do get fixed. Mm. But the truth of it, Shelley, is that unless citizens shine the spotlight and continue to press in, they don't. You know, and that's I hear... one of the reasons why I believe it can work, because we're putting it to the test and we're finding out that, yes. You know, I hear you mention that here, here was this $4 billion um, waste and the media was silent on it. Now, that, that could be for a number of reasons. Um, media, there are, are other bigger stories. Well, I can't imagine what is much bigger than that. But still, you know, there, there are other issues. Or it, it could just be a journalism failure, whatever we, we, we want to come up with. But at the end of the day, we are, you're saying that yeah. when citizens own it, when all three yeah. million of us say, look, yeah. we, we don't like this. This does not work for our democracy. That's where the power lies. That's what you're saying. I'm saying that because my mother and your mother did teach us that when you're pointing at somebody, three fingers are pointing back. Mm -hmm. And we have spent a lot of time pointing at our parliamentarians and surely three fingers are pointing back, as it should. Why? 
because we are the employers and they are the employees. So I'm asking you, Shelley, if right now you decided to get a franchise for Juicy Beef, for example, mm -hmm. and you put some staff members in place and you outsource them and outfit them with the best of equipment and ingredients, and you left them and you don't check in with the accountant every month and to see how the profit line is doing, what is the quality control like in the food? What do you think is going to happen? True. It's going to run yes, down. Yes, Everybody run knows down. that. That's human yeah. nature. Let me, share with, yeah. let me share this quick thing with you. I was working once in the private sector, and it was construction, and the owner of the company would head out to the site at about 4 o'clock in the morning. So he never actually made it into the office until about 3.30 in the afternoon. Now, when I joined, I realized that people come to work 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, mm. 9.30. Why, Shelly? Because the boss not turned up till 3.30. So I said to him one day, do me a favor. Just every now and again, once a week, pop in unexpectedly. When we don't have a clue when you're going to. And let's see what happens. And Shelly, let me tell you something. It was a turnaround. The first day he walked in. And they recognize that they can't always guarantee you when the boss will appear, what do you think happened? Everybody starts coming to work on time. Yes. It's human nature. We modify our behavior when we know that we're being watched. And I'm saying, and I'm saying it to Jamaica and to you, it is no different with our parliamentarians. Let me give you one example, because this is really about the question about why do you think it will work, Jeanette? About three years ago, the Prime Minister of Jamaica decided that he was going to reverse a very important piece of legislation. It is the legislation, by the way, that enables JAM to do what it does. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying one of the reasons why I'm hopeful is that Jamaica has all the ingredients for change in place. And I can share with you in a minute what those are. But one of them is called the access to information yes. legislation, yes. which as someone in the media, you know the power of that tool. Yes. But the average citizen think that's a thing for civil society and for media. Now, I was sharing with a friend that there are countries right here in the Caribbean, Barbados, supposedly most literate, one of the most advanced. But after Jamaica's had this legislation empowering citizens for 21 years, Barbados still don't have that yet. Mm. Citizens in Jamaica must stop and say, wait, my government has given me the right. Anything me here, Dion Jackson Miller, anybody, Chris, anybody, any, anybody talking about on the news. And I'm not happy. Auditor General produced this report, and I'm not happy. I don't have to sit down and wait for them to remember to come back and tell me. The government of Jamaica has empowered every citizen to write to any permanent secretary and says, I heard this on the news. I read this in the report, I read this on the paper, and I am asking for information to determine what have you done as the permanent secretary to fix this problem. Mm. That is amazing, Shelley. It is. The right is there. The question I want to put to you and your listeners who will be listening is, how many of us have actually used it? How many of us are actually aware that a citizen ah, can use it? Not just the media houses. Yeah. Then that is precisely why Jeanette is saying, Shelley, that there are Jamaicans who would use it, but they do not know, which is why that educating is important mm -hmm. for the number of Jamaicans who would. And I will put it to you, just like how we took 60 of us standing out at the NHD in 2014, we underestimate, we think it's thousands of people that we need, less than 1% of this country if they got engaged, would be enough to get our parliamentarians to respond. And that was the example I was sharing with you. The Prime Minister decides the access to information legislation about three years ago. 
he was going to go and modify a clause. There's mm-hmm. a clause in the legislation that says, I think after 30 years, the public of Jamaica, anybody can have access to cabinet decisions. And as you know, cabinet decisions are secret. They're right. classified in right. every country. Right. But after 30 years in Jamaica, you can access it. In many other countries, it's 20, and in very few, it might be 10. Well, our prime minister, as our chief policymaker, decided about two Octobers ago that he was going to move it from 30 to 70. Yes, I'm aware. Ah, <laughs> How long did it take the prime minister to change his trust. mind? Yeah. Three days. Why? Because we have also a tool that Nanny never have, Taki never have, Sam never have, Bogle never have, God never have, and it's called the power of the smartphone and the internet and social media. Because even persons who were supporters of the party came out and said, no, Prime Minister. And in three days, Shelley, that policy was reversed. And Gina can tell you several, every single time that I have seen Jamaicans press in, they have gotten what they want from our political leaders. So if me can tell you, Shelley, that every time in the last 15 years that I've been paying attention, that is what I see happen. My question is, then who is the problem? You know, Jeanette, you're making some very strong points and I'm listening to your passion, which we also have to have in this information business, in this journalism business. But I am wondering if fear fear plays a role in how much people are willing to say look we don't like this look we can't do that look you know i mean yeah and the culture that we're in the jamaica that we know you know that we're we have the most murders or i don't know i'm not sure where we are now but um I, i'm just wondering if from where you sit yes um people are they willing to come forward and to come stand up outside or wherever with you and a placard yes. or online what what I think Jamaicans don't more than fear right now Mm -hmm. what I think is keeping Jamaicans at bay and even more than the information is we're struggling every day you know we're fighting something every day Mm -hmm. in the homes we're fighting you know issues with partners with children with, 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 with spouses in the workplace we're fighting we're trying to get the bills paid we're fighting with the utility companies Jamaicans want to believe that they have a fair shot at this fight, for them to find the energy to step in. And I don't think when civil society, meaning not-for-profits and NGOs such as the one I am, when we have victories and successes, I don't think they're promoted enough to demonstrate to the citizen that there's another side of the story. Yeah. And there really are a lot of victories that we have. But let me put it to you this way about the fear. I ask every member of my staff, when they join the team, to watch a particular TED talk and I would invite anybody and yourself to Shirley because I watch it maybe every two years since 2008 mm-hmm. when I first saw it. It's called The Danger of a Single Story by a young Nigerian who has become quite an infamous um, public person now but at the time she wasn't. Her name is Chimamanda Adichie. I don't think I'm calling the last name right but this, the name of it was The Danger of a Single Story okay. and I'm raising it because we have a lot of single stories in our minds and we live by them without recognizing that the story has changed but we have frozen the picture in our heads. What do I mean by that? 
I grew up with um with with, with um I'm a seventies kid, so I have parents who lived through the horrific eighties and the violence and politics in the seventies and the eighties. So when I told my family I was getting into advocacy, I heard everything that was going to happen to me. I've, <laughs> do, I've been doing this since 2012. I was told that you could never go back into the public service, Jeanette, if you're an advocate. And the first time I went on CVM and had a face-off with a minister where I was basically accusing him, I wouldn't use the word corruption, but that is what anybody <laughs> listening would think. That minister, when I got outside, said to me, how are you getting home? I was like, uh, I'm oh. calling a cab. <laughs> and then he said, are you sure you're okay? I said, yes. And then he said, send me your CV on Monday morning. There goes that single story. Then I was told when there was a matter to do under the People's National Party with the Spalding market, where taxpayers build up one nice market and give the people in Manchester. And then... A state minister decided that he was going to move some people off of the road, which was a good idea, but put them smack dab in the middle of the parking lot, mm. which are vendors. And then connected all these vendors to the light in the council where we pay the bill. We said, but that can't work. Simple as it was, Shellyan, it got to me. And I put on, a, I went to a, a printer and I print how I feel on the front. And I print how I feel on the back. <laughs> and then walk straight for the whole day. <laughs> and everybody said to me, you now go reach home in I said, oh, really? And I walked New Kingston. I walked in halfway tree and I came back to Ligani. And only one person responded negatively for that day. Mm. What was the single story again? If you go out there go talk about politics, put it on your chest, you can't reach home, Jeanette. Did I reach home, Shelly? Yes. yes, and it is six days later, and I'm still doing what I did that day in the public domain. The point I'm making is that we have a single story in our heads about who our political leaders are and what they will do. Until I challenged it, I did not know how much they had changed. We have changed, but so have they. Let me tell you the problem. Most of the people in the house look the same. They have been there for about 30 years, yes. but they're not the same people they were 30 years ago. And that's the truth. And I'm saying to Jamaica that you have to exercise faith and you have to exercise some trust. And I did it, and it is paying off. I ask you, Shelley, when was the last time any member of the media in Jamaica that break news, that show up politicians, that show up board members, when was the last time any media in Jamaica has lost their life on the job. How many countries in the world can say this? That's true. Yeah? Exactly. As much when, as I would like to see more uh, undercover investigations, I have uh -huh. to say what the, the little we have done, yes. um, how we have remained safe and there has Absolutely. been a respect. There has yes, been a, 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 a national respect for the media. And you have done enough to, to really accuse some people who, if you know, damage a lot of people's reputation. So yeah. I don't think what the media has done is small. Mm. I don't consider it little. I think there's been some very significant stories over the years. And I also pointed to advocacy. You and I can think of several people who for years, some more courageous than some. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what has happened? They are still here with us. So where is this single story about the fear? It is in our past, it is in our DNA, and the truth of it is, Shelley, if this country is worth it, 
let me tell you something. It is more dangerous getting in a taxi sometimes than being an advocate. You are right. That's fair. That's fair. That's F A I R. That's fair. <laughs> How many people die in car accidents? Three hundred and that. Do I stop driving my car, Shelley? Yeah. So we have to decide: Is this island worth it? It has nurtured me, fed me, done so much for me. What is this island worth to me? And it is worth a lot. I'm not going to tell you that I will never give up because I don't know that that is true. Mm. Because you know that song that says you got to know when to fold them. When yeah. to hold them, yeah. you got to know when to walk away and you need to know when to pick up your two foot and run. But I have promised myself that before if that day ever come, I am going to give this country the best I have until then. And that's all. Now, let me give you another reason why there is hope. We have strong legislation in this country, like the access to information. Holy black countries don't have that. Yeah. We have press freedom. This is the one indices of Jamaica is just tapa, tapa, tapa. Between six and eight of 144 countries in the world, press freedom is about democracy. It's mm-hmm. the right for the press to share with the citizens the things they need to know. So we do something. Look, look at, look at, look at, look at technology. My father could not talk to the prime minister when he was my age. Today, any young, intrepid Jamaican, and we have a whole of young, intrepid Jamaican, we do. Afraid, we do. can communicate with the chief policymaker in Jamaica. Any change agent, even grave, would say to me, what, what is wrong with the Jamaican people? Do they not know what they have? The question, Shelley, is are we using it? And I put it to you, no, we're not. When I go on social media, for example, the simple habit of tagging your prime minister. What you out there talking about him and I complain every day if him don't know that you're upset? Mm-hmm. Tag him! I have seen him respond, and you know how it is. It's his office. But there's somewhere I believe it will get his attention if he begins to see a build-up. Right. Can I leave you with this piece? I sat and spoke to a politician one day many years ago, I think maybe around 2014, and he said to me, we get away with nothing more than what the people of Jamaica allow us to get away with. That was, he says, if you want to be a change agent, you have to remember that. We are shocked sometimes at the things that you allow us to get away with. You hear so what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying. And it sounds so like... And and they expect a strike. And, and nothing. We actually got away with that. And so what does it... It sends a message for them to what? Push the needle a little further. Yeah. Push the needle a little further. The next thing he said to me is you need to remember, ask yourself, who is talking to us? Who is talking to us? So you, you have to look at the people with the money who are the campaign financers, they are talking and they are helping them. Then you get down to the voters who join the line and and how do they talk to us? If they need anything, if they need a funeral, if they need a little money for going to school, they continue to talk to us. Who is not speaking to us is the question he asked me. You know who not talking to him, Shelley? Me and you. Mm. And, and I'm not disrespecting anybody, but it is always the middle class. Yes, people talk about how the, 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 the revolution starts from the bottom. No, I don't want to too much get into it because, you know, in just a time and all of that. But if yeah. anybody's listening, check your history. It's the middle class that makes change happen. And we are not talking to them. That's the point you were saying to me. And so the next thing he wanted me to understand when I went away and thought about it is that a politician wants a vote. And so if the band of the middle class, the 700,000 of us who won't join that line, 
who don't continue to talk to them even after they have won, then to what extent are they interested in the needs that you and I have? Because you're not financing the campaign and you're not voting. Mm -hmm. So why am I paying any mind? He was trying to tell me something. I admire Prime Minister Holness because in 2016, he realized that the People's National Party were not talking to the young people. And, it and is he no went out there. He yeah. went after He went them. out there. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he won by 10,000 votes. So what this politician is saying, there are 700,000 people who can vote. And we would pay attention to their needs if we thought that there were these, even that 25,000 of them was going to come up because we want their vote. So, Shelley, if you break this thing down, you know, you recognize that we have the laws going for us. Let me give you a simple example. Do you know how many countries in the world you don't get to see your PAC sitting and talking about the issues pertaining to corruption? Yeah, it's quite it's quite we a theater. It, it's quite a theater. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm saying to you that the environment in Jamaica is ripe for change. We have legislation. We have watchdog agencies. Do you know that Trinidad and Guyana are the two most corrupt and Jamaica is the third in the English-speaking Caribbean? But Trinidad does not have a contractor general's office or an integrity commission's office. We mm, do. We do. Exactly. So I am saying it's all it's okay for us to sit here, look at our circumstances, gripe about it. But if you started to pick off what are the things you need for change, we have seven pieces of legislation that deals with corruption in Jamaica. We have a press who is willing to be brave, they do it all the time. We have oversight agencies that other islands and countries don't have. We get to see parliament in action and hear the debates and the discussions for ourselves. We have development partners. The European Union listened to the idea that we had. Yeah, just mm-hmm. a citizen said, this is what I'd like to do. And fund you. And three years worth of funding yeah. was made available. That is not a small thing. We have technology now, and I'm putting it to you, Shelley, that where you and I need to look for change, it's difficult to expect change from the working people who depend on government for income. Mm. So the public servants, that's hard. The contractors who, you know, the consultants who, boy, you know, if I go against the government, I'm not getting no work again. That's hard. I'm okay with that. But there are a group of young people that not start to work yet. Mm-hmm. Very bright. Very afraid of nobody. You know that, right? Yes, the yes, millennials. Yes. And I am telling you that if we started to educate this batter young and people empower who love them. this country yes. and let them know the things that Jeanette has been learning, girl, watch and see what happens to Jamaica. It sounds like you are in agreement with our Governor General who has famously I said... Am. There's I nothing am. wrong with Jamaica that cannot Absolutely. be fixed by what is uh, right with Jamaica. You give me goosebumps when you say mm. that, girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's, it's true. And I'm not romanticizing it. It is true. But when we keep getting the reports from the Auditor General and things have never changed in a decade, I understand why corruption and the fight against it has been made to look far more difficult than it really is. It's not like crime. Crime and corruption are cousins probably brothers and sisters, very closely related. Mm-hmm. But I put it to you, one simple example, Shelley, so that we take, and not that I'm suggesting that the things that we've been talking about is in abstract, they're real, but I want to bring it down to a real example for you now. Every three months or more, and certainly every year, the Auditor General of Jamaica, that's the government's auditor, 
gives us a report. We have had a procurement law since 2015. We used to have a procurement policy before, and corruption basically takes place in procurement. You need to buy something from the private sector. How do I get it to my friend? How do I jack up the price and my friend make more? How do I do that so I get a kickback from the friend? That's basically how corruption works, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's in procurement. Now, she provides us a report every year, and she tells us in black and white all the entities and agencies that are breaking this law flagrantly with impunity in other words Shelley, it is a crime that has been committed yes it is not a secret it's not like a man rob a bank or murder somebody and we're like what we are going to do we don't know who mm -hmm. corruption the auditor general says hey Here's an agency that yes. has spent $1.5 billion and, and they have broken the, the procurement trail. law. Yes. Now, now, Shelley, where's the problem? Do we know where the crime was committed? Yes. Does she know and the government know who has committed the crime? Though we don't get the names, they do know if yes. they act on it. Yes, it's not a secret. So I am putting it to you that if we have the law, if we know where the crime is committed, if we know who has committed the crime, what is missing, Shelley? Action. Ah, and, and when Jeanette breaks it down as simple as that, and I think that's very simple. We've been calling them breaches. I've said I'm going to stop calling it that. It is a crime that has been committed. Mm -hmm. I simply believe that if we share with Jamaicans that it is that blatant, here's the law, here's the report. I think we would start to talk a little bit differently when we talk. We would, we would. And I never knew it was that straightforward until I started to read the reports and look at the legislation. It is clear as black and white. Yeah, and you have invested the time and and now you are in a position to educate others and to empower yes, others. And absolutely. I, we are now out of time. Tell them that it is easy. What Jeanette has learned is no brain-breaking things. No. Very simple things. Just want the opportunity to share it with other Jamaicans. Jeanette, this has been an excellent half an hour talking about Jamaica and how we can make My an impact. My yes, <laughs> yes, you see, it, it's been an excellent 30 minutes. May I thank you for joining us on this very inspirational edition of Impacting Jamaica. Thank you so much for having me, Shirley. All the very best. Impacting Jamaica is powered by the Philip and Christine Gore Family Foundation, Manpower and Maintenance Services Limited, the Jamaica Public Service Company, Red Stripe. Kyramed and Proven Investments Limited. If you or anyone you know is involved with projects and activities that excite, motivate, and encourage, send us an email to impactingjamaica at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Do join us again for another in the series on Google Podcast, Audible, Spotify, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. You can also visit us at impactingjamaica.com.